Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Burr. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome into this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It is Anthony Pagnotta with you guys, as always, here on the Sunday night after the early signing period, and we are here to give you your early signing period recap. Along with me is our recruiting analyst here at the Heel Tough Blog. It is Zach Hubbard. Zach, how's it been going, man? It's been good. good. You know, it was a good signing day, Glad to wrap everything up, look at who the Tar Heels signed uh, this past Wednesday and who these future Tar Heels will be. Yeah, well, a class of 26 saw 25 guys sign. Uh, All of those guys were expected. The only guy that did not sign early was Elijah Burris. He will hold off until February due to an academic credit issue. Nothing to be overly concerned about. Um, But he will end up signing in February with the class. So 25 of the 26 uh, Tar Heels that are committed so far signed a really good class, a a class that ranked inside of the top 20 on all three of the major recruiting sites and inside of the top 15, according to one recruiting site, that being Rivals.com. And uh, it was overall a really good day, but there was definitely a lot of concern, especially early on in the day with Clyde Pinder deciding to move his commitment back. Some people thought that he might have made the decision to move it back to February, but he did make his decision later in the night and eventually committed to Carolina. But uh, what what was your feeling, Zach, uh, during the day when you saw that update that he was likely going to wait at least until the next day, possibly until February, and how relieved were you when it was finally over and he actually decided to stick with his commitment to Carolina? Well, there was definitely concern, especially with the more recent visits to, um, I mean, there to the University of Florida. Obviously, being from Florida, there was proximity. I, I know that there was some family connections as well so I mean it was always there as a concern but we thought you know going into Wednesday he's going to sign you know we've sort of cleared everything up and we're good to go going in 
to Wednesday, you know, it was by the hour of, is he going to sign today? Is he going to wait till February? Mm-hmm. And the general thought throughout the day was, well, if it goes till February, that's not going to be a good sign for UNC in keeping his signature. And most likely they would have, you know, l- looked around to see sort of what other options were at the position. But, you know, as we know at this point, they just sweat it out a little bit, but closer there in the afternoon towards the night, did send in his signed letter of intent to sign with the Tar Heels. So North Carolina was able to hold off the pursuit of Florida and get the signature from their future nose guard. Yeah, most people said uh, that were close to the situation that Florida did make a really great late push, but the long-term connections that the Carolina staff had with him paid off, which is something that we kind of heard with a lot of the other guys that signed in the class. Everybody else that was in the class had signed by 10:15 in the morning on Wednesday. That, of course, including guys like Jacoby Criswell, who the Tar Heels were able to hang on to, as well as big-time five-star defensive end, Desmond Evans and you know Mac Brown again goes into his press conference does a breakdown of all 24 of the committed prospects uh, at the time of the presser of course uh, that means he wasn't able to break down Clyde Pinder until later on but uh, you know this this was a guy that uh, you know the, all these guys I, you know it's interesting what Mac Brown is, has done over the last two years you know are you one of the guys that really likes the uh, when Mac Brown does the little breakdown for all the journalists on, on each of the guy is that something that uh, you find really interesting or did you kind of like the way that Larry used to go about it which was just answering questions about all the prospects Oh, I absolutely love it. I mean, I, I feel like that's been one of the high points of um, the Mac Brown era or the return of Mac Brown so far is just his openness mm-hmm. in speaking with reporters, with media about various things, uh, openness about the program, um, just overall. And that sort of goes back to his um, time, you know, in the media as a broadcaster before returning to North Carolina. But mm-hmm. yeah, going through each prospect and really breaking down, you know, this is why we recruited them. This is why we love them as a prospect. I think that that not only being helpful to us as guys that are, you know, that are fans and want to know like who are these players going to be and also to, you know, report this information, but it, it, I think it almost can have its own impact in in recruiting. I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, a future prospect can look and see, you know, I'm not just a one of 25 I'm an individual to this program and that's that's something that you know a lot of the recruits this year really harped on is that they had those strong relationships they had the relationships with the staff and then with Mac himself so I think it's I think it's really a good thing overall not only for us but just for the program in general to show that you know North Carolina football is a family atmosphere it's it's a good place to be it's the place that you want to be it's the place that you want to be as the as a player it's the place that you want your um, prospective student athlete to come to if you're a parent so you know overall I love it well this class ended as a consensus top 20 class as I said just a few minutes ago how big do you think that is for this Tar Heel uh, football program that you know is trying to basically make a little bit of noise in an ACC coastal that really isn't all that great this feels like this is a big step towards what Mac Brown's goal was when he came back on for his second tenure in Chapel Hill, right? Absolutely. And I think that, I mean, Mac has been very upfront of saying, we want to go out, we want to win now. I think that the way that the ACC 
um, functions right now, the way that the various programs are going up or down, specifically in the coastal. I think the coastal is pretty ripe for taking. And I, I know that we say that every year. We mention coastal chaos, and anyone can lose to any you know conference or divisional opponent on any given Saturday. But I, I think that what we're trying to do, or what the Carolina program is trying to do at this time, they're trying to build up first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And Mac Brown mentioned that uh, in his program uh, this past year. Uh, they mentioned that they didn't feel like they had the depth that they wanted, and that was reflected a lot of times in the snap count that the starters got. Snap, uh, the starters got a significant amount of the snaps this year, not a lot of rotation. So I think they really want to build depth there. But it's it's sort of like we've mentioned um, they w- they don't want to wait. They're not building for three years in the future or four years in the future. They want to do whatever they can right, right here and right now. Um, and I think that's especially the case when you have um, a star young quarterback, a star freshman quarterback like Sam Howell. So I think that that's what they're focusing on. Um, I think that's supported by Max comments. Um, I, he said, you know, mm-hmm. alongside that depth issue, a lot of these guys are probably not going to get to redshirt this year. A lot of these guys are, are going to need right. to play and are going to need to contribute not only on offense or, or defense, but in special teams. And that not only speaks to the depth issue, but speaks to you know the type of players that we're bringing in. So, um, overall, I'd say it's a really exciting time. I think that this is a team that's going to play a lot of young guys, and I think it's a team that's really not only building for now and is focused on now, but building towards the future. Yeah, depth, I think, was the big focus with this class. That's why you see so many guys in this class, 26 committed prospects. And, you know, part of the reason was was because under Larry Fedora, they like to use a lot of walk-on guys that they would eventually turn into scholarship guys. Whereas Mac Brown and, and his staff is, is looking to bring in the talent and have, you know, it, it proven behind uh, you know, some of these guys that are, are playing a ton of snaps. I mean, you talked about it, you know, just this year lacking depth. I mean, look on the defensive line. You got uh, two guys in Aaron Crawford and Jason Strobridge who played over a thousand snaps before they even reached the 10th game of the season. So, yeah, I, I mean, this is a big class to try to sort of help some of those big issues that they have with depth. And I think this is, you know, took care of some of their needs, especially at their major positions when it comes to the needed depth that they, they need there. Uh, you know, look, some guys, like you said, most of the guys are probably going to be playing at least at some point next season. I still think a decent amount of them will be redshirted just because of the four-game rule that they have in place. Uh, there still are a decent amount of guys that will be redshirted from this past year's class uh, that we heard, you know, would have to play a ton. So uh, I don't know if you if you would say that every single guy in this class is, is going to be, you know, playing five, six games. Uh, if there'll only just be, you know, one or two guys that will receive the red shirt. I think it'll be a little bit higher than that, but there are still some guys that are going to have to contribute a lot, and the best chance for that is going to be from the 12 early enrollees uh, that are going to be in place. Those were announced by Mac Brown, and those 12 guys are going to be offensive guard Jonathan Adorno, defensive tackle Kedrick Bingley-Jones, tight end John Copenhaver, wide receiver Tylee Kraft, quarterback Jacoby Criswell, wide receiver Josh Downs, linebacker slash athlete, uh, but they're really expecting him to be on the defensive side of the ball, Cedric Gray, running back DJ Jones, tight end Kendall Carr, uh, safety Cameron Roseman Sinclair, 
Uh, inside linebacker Ethan West and offensive tackle Trey Zimmerman, uh, the latter of which Trey Zimmerman who will be working through a shoulder injury. He actually had surgery just recently, uh, so he will not be able to participate in spring practice. He'll be very similar uh, to what we saw last year with Wyatt Tanal, uh, the offensive tackle out of Chester, South Carolina. He will just be uh, going through all the rehab process and everything, but the good news is he gets to do that on campus with Brian Hess who will be able to get him back into shape uh, pretty quickly. So, uh, I mean, it looks like a pretty good uh, early enrollee class. I think the big position to keep an eye on when it comes to all the guys that are early enrolling, I think tight end is the really big position there because you got to remember, the Tar Heels are losing three of their scholarship tight ends from this past year who are all uh, graduating and moving on. Uh, it looks like Brandon Fritz will not be back despite suffering another knee injury uh, back in the spring that kept him out the entire season. Unfortunately, it looks like he's just going to move on uh, what was a promising career that was just derailed by injuries in his last two seasons. Carl Tucker moving on as well as Jake Bargus. So that leaves a lot of space. Garrett Walston at times this season looked like he could be the guy that the Tar Heels could use in their offense in years down the line but still it, it this this unit right now still looks like it's in you know sort of that developmental stage no one's really developed just yet so uh you know does this feel like a, a chance to you for guys like John Copenhaver and, and Kendall Carr to come in and make an impact and is this maybe a position that you think we could see a guy that is a true freshman starting next year I don't know if I necessarily say that we're going to see a true freshman starter. I definitely think that we'll see true freshmen playing in the lineup just because they will need four or five of these guys to play some level of snaps, you know, in the first and second team this year. If they have, you know, given sets where they have two tight ends on the field or things along those lines. So I definitely think that, you know, one or two of these tight ends that they're bringing in are going to get significant snaps probably over that five-game mark. If I had to pick one of these two specifically, mm-hmm. I think it would probably be John Copenhaver just based on a health perspective. Kendall Carr, right. I believe, had an ACL injury that kept him out uh, most, if not all, of this season. So just from a health perspective, I think that John Copenhaver Copenhaver will get sort of that head start to compete for playing time. But, you know, both of these guys are very capable tight ends, very mm-hmm. capable in blocking and receiving, which I think is going to be a, you know, a, a big boon for this offense, a big help. Um, but uh, along that same lines, um, I think the guys that are there um, are certainly guys that we've seen a lot of good things from. So I think it'll be an interesting competition to see sort of who gets those reps, who establishes themselves really with no you know, true established number one guy here. All right. Well, let's get to our class superlatives and uh, this should be pretty fun. So uh, what I'll do is I'll read out the superlative and then you just give me the guy that uh, you're going to go with and then I'll just, uh, I'll do the same. Just give a little bit of an explanation and we'll just kind of roll through it like that. So we'll start with uh, who is the guy in this class that you believe is the most talented overall prospect for the Tar Heels? In terms of most talented, and I think I should paraphrase that by saying most talented right now, mm-hmm. of who's coming in with the highest floor in terms of their skill level, right. I think that's got to be Jaquarius Conley. I mean, he's really just mm. a monster defensively this year, well, defensively and offensively. Uh, played a lot of safety, really has good movement in space, but also played some offense, uh, which is something that you know 
on occasion you'd like to see from your defensive players, not only because it shows their athleticism, uh, but shows that they understand um, just offensive systems, where the ball is going to go, mm-hmm. from a perspective of, hey, I've done this in the past. Um, but I really just like everything about his athletic profile. Um, really good ball hawk, really good in coverage, really good tackling as well. So I can't really say too, <laughs> you know, too many more good things about Jacarius Conley, but he would be my pick for the most talented here in this class. It's interesting. I think the one that most people will probably go with uh, just based on star rating and everything like that is Des Evans. Um, and I that's that's who I'm going to go with really just based on having seen him in person and, and really being able to say, yes, this is uh, definitely a guy that lives up to his billing. Very athletic, uh, a guy that is as physical as it gets as a defensive end. Uh, I mean, the comparisons to Jadavian Clowney, you know, I see it just about every time that I've watched his tape. Now, I don't know if he's going to be on the same level as him when he was in college, but I think if you look at what uh, Jadavian Clowney is right now with the Seattle Seahawks. You see a little bit of that in Des Evans, and I feel like you know that's a guy that can come in, have an immediate impact for you. And I think that's really when when you talk about talent, that's kind of where you want a guy to be. A guy that if you had to throw him on the field day one, could handle his own, maybe wouldn't be a superstar, but has enough raw talent to where he would be able to thrive out there. And that just feels like uh, like Des Evans to me. And not to mention the fact that, you know, there's so many things that Carolina can do with him and it seems like his skill set would fit it. If they want to stand him up and use him as that rush end type of player that we saw Timon Fox be this past year, they could do that because he's athletic enough and and can really do a good job out in space making tackles. He showed that in the state championship game last Saturday when he took on one of the better guys that you're going to see in the next couple of years at the running back position in college football when Will Shipley arrives on whatever campus he arrives on. He's got comparisons to Christian McCaffrey that are just uncanny. So to see him out in space making plays like that, it's very encouraging. Also, you could put his hand in the dirt and just tell him to go uh, become a straight-line pass rusher, and he'd be successful with that. So I think overall, the most talented player is definitely Des Evans, but there's a couple of other guys that you can make really interesting cases for that we didn't talk about. Guys like Miles Murphy, as well as Kedrick Bingley-Jones. So, uh, let's move on to the guy you're most excited for uh, at Carolina. I mean, this this can kind of go in a couple of different directions, so I'm interested to see where you go here. Yeah, so for me, the guy that I'm most excited about went defense last time, going to move over to offense this time. Uh, I'm going to go with Josh Downs. Um, The top sort of, at least based on rankings, and this is truly based on 24-7 composite rankings, but top wide receiver prospect in this class. Um, Really, really explosive, really um, dynamic in the open field. And uh, in terms of measurables, 5'10", 165. So some will look at, you know, not that tall, probably needs to add some weight, but goodness gracious is he electric he is hard to take down i watched his film i it was hard to see a tackle anywhere just because once he's in the open field it's almost guaranteed that he's going to score with the football so i really like what he sort of offers at that you know slot wide receiver or a back uh position really just a dynamic uh receiver and guy that i'm really excited about well, I, I, you know, you you talked about him just a minute ago. I'm going to go with Jaquarius Conley here. 
Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of different guys in this class. Uh, I had a tough time really going back and forth between him and Kedrick Bingley Jones. Um, you know, because I've seen a lot of of Kedrick, but I think with Conley, you know, the the interesting thing about him is is you know, there's just so much. You you want to talk about an athletic guy, and, and this is what Jay Bateman has been looking for in his defense. This is a guy that can play sideline to sideline, just about as good as any safety that I've seen. Doesn't miss many tackles in the open field and the best thing about him is you didn't see it a whole lot on tape when you went back and watched him uh, and I don't know if it was maybe just because of the conference that he played in or the area that he played in you never really saw a lot of plays on the football when it came to the defensive side of the football but this week at the Shrine Bowl there were a ton of people down there that I saw that were saying that this guy has maybe the best ball skills of anybody uh, that was in that that was in camp there, and you know we're, it'll be interesting to see how that can kind of translate when he goes out and plays in the All American Bowl uh, in a couple of weeks out in uh, Texas. I mean, that's an area where, you know, of course, you guys remember the game from last year. Sam Howell went there and, and just shined. I think he could, he has a chance to go there and really make a name for himself because this, you know, the Shrine Bowl produces some really good guys. He was the highest rated prospect there, which is still good, but he was a guy that was, you know, seen as a mid-level four-star. When he goes out and plays out in the All-American Bowl uh, in a couple of weeks, he's going to be nowhere near the top guy there. So if he goes out and makes a really good impact there, I think that he's a guy that, you know, Tario fans will really become a little more familiar with and will really become a little more excited about. And, and that's the guy I'm going to go with, especially with the fact that you got Miles Dorn leaving. This might be a guy that might have to play a little bit earlier than, you know, some people maybe originally expected when he committed. So, uh, that, that's the guy that I'm most excited about. How about this one? Most likely to make an early impact. Who you got? Yeah, so I unfortunately it's going to be a guy that's already been mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll try to keep it brief, but it's Des Evans, uh, which okay. you mentioned as your most talented player. Uh, when you look at this roster in terms of guys that would be deemed as scholarship outside linebackers, uh, there's really three. Uh, that I can count as of right now. And right. Timon Fox, uh, Tyrone okay. Hopper, and Chris Collins, of course. Timon Fox has been there for many years, obviously has that playing experience, has played a lot of snaps for the Tar Heels. Mm-hmm. But the other two guys uh, have really not done a whole lot in their Tar Heel, tar heel career up until this point. So just with his raw athleticism, with his pass rushing, I think that Des Evans is a guy that by the time that he graduates could be a high NFL prospect. I think that, you know, if molded and, you know, adding to his pass rush set and really just continuing to develop his speed and strength and athleticism, I think he could be a monster pass rusher, even more so than he already is. So just based on the pure numbers there, I think he could get in that rotation at pass rusher going into the season. I think he can make some noise early at the position. Yeah, I, that's, that's a good, you know, I, I'm, going to agree with you. Uh, it's going to be I, I, it's going to be really difficult for him to lock down a starting job. I think honestly, if he had come in as an early enrollee, he may have had a chance to be a starter 
for the game against Central Florida. But with him coming in in the summer, I'll be interested to see. I still think that he'll probably, he'll definitely have some sort of early impact. Let's just say that. There's just way too much talent to keep him off the field. And like you said, there's really not, there's there's more guys at that position that they're going to use. I mean, they'll have some guys that will also move around. We don't know where guys like Matthew Flint are going to play, um, what they're going to do with Kadri Jackson. Are they going to kind of use him in more of a hybrid role, which is the position that he was originally recruited for? Um but yeah, I think that, you know, it'll be interesting to see where he is early in the season and whether or not, you know, he's going to have to kind of still prove himself at the start of the year because he has to wait to come in. The guy that I'm going to go with is also a guy that's a late enrollee, but the reason that I'm going to go with them is really just because of the lack of depth at the position. I'm going to go with Clyde Pinder. I think that if you look at that position right now, we talked about it when we were talking, uh, you know, the last two times that we did the show with, you know, just how important his commitment was. Look, Jaleel Taylor's the only guy that is there as of right now, that that is locked into playing the nose tackle position. Uh, There'll probably be another guy that maybe adds some weight and moves inside there. You had mentioned Zach Gill. That could be a name to keep an eye on. Another one could be Raymond Voasik if they want to try to put a little more weight on him and see if he can't move inside. But right now, there's only one guy that we know for sure outside of Clyde Pinder that is going to be a nose tackle this upcoming season. So I think, unfortunately for Pinder, there's really not going to be time to grow. He's going to have to come in and really just... I mean, they're going to have to throw him out there and see pretty much what he's got. I think he can come in and, and he'll. I think he'll thrive in those types of situations because just from watching his tape, he's a guy that loves to eat up space in the middle of the defense, but he's also got that bull in a china shop mentality that allows him to get after the quarterback whenever they need him to. And I think that this is a guy that, you know, a lot of people probably won't be looking at because, again, he's coming in late. But I think he will definitely have a chance to make an early impact just based on the fact that there really isn't a ton of depth at that position. Uh, This one will be interesting because I've had my guy for this for a long time. I'm really interested to see where you're going to go with it. Who do you think is the most underrated player in this class for the Tar Heels? Uh, this was a tough decision for me. I think there's a few guys, at least in terms of their ranking position, that are underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had to pick one, and it's one that's been mentioned a lot amongst UNC recruiting circles, it's going to be um, the future outside linebacker, or the other future outside linebacker in this class, Kamon Rucker, uh, out mm-hmm. of Hartwell, Georgia. I, a lot of the reason that he is sort of underrated and a sleeper recruit is based on his measurables um 6'1 243 not terribly long arms so in terms of a pass rusher he doesn't fit those um sort of ideal measurables that um sort of draft analysts and uh combine guys and, and things along those lines look for but you go you put on his tape he is explosive towards the quarterback all that he knows is get after that quarterback and does it as an extremely high level. Uh, even with his size, he already has a pretty diverse set of uh, pass Amazing. And uh, he's, he's a guy that I think you can use a lot of different ways uh, at that outside linebacker position. Of course, like I said, you know, you can use him to just rush the passer. Mm-hmm. I think that his speed would allow him to, you know, if he needs to go out to the flat to defend a pass out there, 
he can do that. If you need to back him up a little bit into coverage, I'll have him play a little bit more like an inside linebacker or, you know, set the edge against the run. He can do that. So just him not having that measurables automatically makes him underrated. But put on that tape, go watch. You will see a guy that gets after the quarterback and harasses him. Well, I love to put on the tape and just watch the guy because the guy that I have as well, not an extremely highly rated guy, um, a guy that really has just continued to fall down recruiting boards, which just blows my mind because I've seen him in person many times. I've watched his tape many times as well. That's offensive guard Malik McGowan. I love everything about him. He's got the size to play right now if he wanted to. Six, three and a half. Uh, 347, and that rain that that you know weight kind of varies. I mean, he's he's as bit you know he's a guy that is going to fit exactly what you need the moment that he comes in. But my thing is, is you look at him. He had to play at a position when he was at Charlotte Catholic. He had to play offensive tackle, and he still thrived there. And not only did he thrive in run blocking situations. Over the past two years, Charlotte Catholic has become more of a passing offense than they were in the previous years, and he's really adjusted very well. He's done a really good job of pass protecting. Now, again, still some some speedy guys on the outside will bother him, but the good thing is is at the college level at that size, he's not going to have to worry about that. He's going to move inside to offensive guard. The good thing is is if you needed him an offensive tackle, or mainly if you want to use him in pull blocking situations, he's shown that he can be athletic enough to be able to do that for you but you want to just talk about a guy that has a mean streak on the inside and will really just take it to defensive ends and defensive tackles with ease this is your guy right here when he gets going downhill and run blocking situations you better watch out if you are not a stout guy inside you are in trouble because he will bulldoze right through you and that's exactly what this Tar Heel offensive line loves right now. Again, they're you know they've had some trouble protecting Sam Howell, but I think part of that is really just because you know that's one of the things that Sam has to get a little bit better at is getting the ball out when there's just nothing there. Malik McGowan really fits what you want to do and will help you, especially when it comes to run blocking situations and to help get your running game going. Malik McGowan's your guy, and I think that he's just one of those guys that nobody really talks about that much in this class, but when it's all said and done, if I'm being honest, I think this might be the best offensive lineman out of this class, and that is no knock on the other guys. I like Trey Zimmerman a lot, like everything that I've seen from Caden Baker as well, Um, but you know, I think that you just look at him and, you know, he looks the part. And and one of the other guys that was with him at the Shrine Bowl, Jonathan Adorno, uh, you know, I like both of them, but when I was watching the Shrine Bowl the other day, I thought McGowan looked a little bit better. So I'm intrigued to see what he can come in and do. Uh, that's a guy that I've been really high on for a while and just don't get why he keeps falling. So uh, the last one that we'll do is uh, the best position group in the class. And basically... You know, the Toriels had a couple of really good, uh, you know, recruiting, a really good recruiting cycle with a couple of different positions. So you got like, the, I guess if you want to lump the defensive line all together, you can. Um, you can also, uh, of course, running back. You got three guys there that could all come in and eventually have some type of impact. Tight end, you got three guys if you want to include Jefferson Boaz in there, although it looks like they're going to give him a shot at quarterback. So... Which position group do you think the Tar Heels did the best job of when it came to this 2020 early signing class? Well, I think that there is an obvious choice here, and 
for that, it, you know, like you mentioned, are you going to include the outside linebackers and with the defensive line? For the sake of argument, I'm going to take what I would consider to be the outside linebackers out. So I'll take out Desmond Evans and Kamar Rucker. And still, this, you know, the pure defensive line class is, in my opinion, the best class in here. Really field a position of need. Defensive line for a few years has been a position group where um, Tar Heel fans and coaches have not felt that they've had the the talent or the depth that they need uh, to compete at a high level at this position. They have assuaged some of those concerns with this class. Uh, in terms of pure defensive lineman talent, you have these high four-star guys in Miles Murphy and the Kedrick Bingley Jones. You have your future nose guard in Clyde Pender Jr. And you have a you have a really good sort of uh, maybe more developmental guy, but a guy that I, I still really like in uh, AJB out of Pittsburgh. So, you know, a really good class, a really good collection of different styles of defensive line play. Uh, you can do a lot of different things, a lot of different combinations with these guys. So, you know, really just the overall best position group. I could pick another one if you want to, because I feel like this is really, you know, kind of the obvious. No, I mean, it's, you know, no, you're good. You're good. I mean, I I feel like you're you're right. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, there there are arguments for for a couple of different groups. Uh, I think need has to be put into it. That's why wide receiver... You know, definitely seems like a really big group with with Josh Downs coming in, as well as Ray Rose, Tylee Craft, um, and and Stephen Gosnell. But I, I took them out of there. The the group that I'm going to go with, I, I think, is one that probably a lot of people won't look at. And this was a really tough decision for me because I actually thought the running black class was really really good. Um, and you know, is one that just you know because of the ratings, I think a lot of people will probably just look at and say, okay, well, how good really is it? I think they got three really quality guys. I'm going to go with safety, though, because I think you got Jaquarius Conley, who I talked about earlier. You can play him. I, I feel like he has enough skill to play either of the safety positions and thrive. And then you've got Cameron Roseman Sinclair. Now, w- what's kind of interesting, just knowing Cam from when he was you know, a freshman, watching him as he grew up here in the Charlotte area, you know, he's a guy that uh, has more coverage skills than I think he gets credit for. And usually it doesn't get shown a lot when he's played at Myers Park because they've always had a really good secondary, and so that allows them to play him in the box a little bit more. They've also always had a really good pass rush show. I, I mean, defensively, they have never really needed him to be great in coverage. And, you know, towards the end of this year, we saw him kind of as a hybrid linebacker slash safety. And I think if he puts on the weight, he could he could thrive in that situation. But I think just based on where he's at right now, he's probably going to project as a safety. And if you can combine both him and Conley, you would have one of the better duos just on paper uh, in the next couple of years in the ACC. Now, these guys have to progress as their star ratings say they will. Um, but I think both of these guys right now, they have the pure talent to do so. And that's really been one of the things that I think has been interesting over the last couple of years at safety. There's been some good guys there, but when it comes to recruiting the guys at that position, we saw it a lot under Larry Fedora. A lot of the guys that thrived at that position really weren't recruited for that position. Look at a guy like Tim Scott, who was moved from cornerback to safety. Before that, Trey Boston made the same move as well. 
And Miles Dorn was a guy that they really didn't know where he was going to play when he originally came in. There were some people that thought when he came out of Vance High School, he could play wide receiver, but he ended up playing safety. These are two guys that have played safety their entire careers. They've never played the other side of the ball uh, to the point where they were being recruited on it. Although, let's be real honest, I've seen Jaquarius Conley play on the offensive side of the football. And my gosh, he, if he wanted to play running back, he could play running back because he really is that good. Um, but I feel like these are two guys that you're finally going to be able to get them in there. You're going to be able to focus on their development at safety. And I feel like, you know, just looking at the last couple of years, they're definitely the two most talented guys that you're going to have at that position. The depth there is is still relatively thin. So both guys, I think, could get on the field a little bit sooner rather than later. And I really like this safety class. I think it's a, a really good one and is one that, you know, if they develop the way they're supposed to, we could be talking about uh, for a long time. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for our class superlatives. Uh, you guys, we want to hear yours. Again, run back through them. Uh, the most talented, most excited for, most likely to make an early impact, most underrated, and the best position group in the class. So make sure you guys submit those to us. You can do that uh, on the Facebook page, uh, Heel Tough Blog on Facebook. Make sure that you like and uh, follow the page as well. And then you can do it also on Twitter at Heel Tough Blog. Give us those answers. We'd love to hear from you guys. So uh, now it turns towards the late period. It's kind of a weird position for Carolina because even last year, because of the new hires with the coaching staff, you the late period did become pretty crucial. Uh, of course, you got uh, the headliner out of that group was Eugene Asante. Um, also got a guy like Wisdom Osaburo in there. But this one, I, I feel like it's going to be a little bit quiet, but... Uh, is there any anybody that you think maybe the Tar Heels go after? Really, not a name, but let's focus on a position group. Is there a position group that you think maybe the Tar Heels will go out and look for somebody else here in the late period? Well, I do want to preface this by saying that I am not extremely confident that there's going to be a lot of searching for new names by this coaching staff. Obviously, mm -hmm. they'll do their due diligence in terms of looking out at who's available, sifting through film, looking at the transfer portal, looking at junior college, looking at everything. Uh, that's just what you know any coaching staff would do. I don't think that there's going to be a lot of open spots if there are right. open spots. But if they're going to look for someone to add to this class, I think that there is potential for them to askew you know, the rising freshman coming in, askew the 2020 class, and look at the transfer portal and see what's available there, specifically mm -hmm. at a position we've sort of talked about already, but probably at that nose guard or defensive tackle position, just mm -hmm. because of mm -hmm. the severe lack of depth that you have there. Um, obviously, we both like Clyde Pender as a recruit. We both think that he can have a very productive career, but he will be you know, a true freshman coming in in the summer to essentially be second string. And, you know, if that's what you want to do, or if that's you know the case, obviously that's what the team will go with. But if there's somebody out there that has college football experience, maybe not Division One or Power Five college football experience, but college football experience at the position, just there to add some depth, just there to compete with Jalil Taylor for the starting spot, mm -hmm. you know that's something that I could see being a uh, potential guy. But like I said, I don't see it as a particularly likely option in this i think what's more likely than not is that they um you know take the signees they have they 
go ahead and sign um, the final signing, Elijah Burris, in February. And if there is a scholarship available, what I think that they will do and what I personally think that they should do is save that if they have that spot for the 2021 class because 2021, specifically in North Carolina, is loaded. It's looking to be a smaller class for the Tar Heels. And, you know, you want to have as many spots as you can there. Yeah, I, I agree that that is definitely probably what the staff is going to want to do, uh, if possible. I think that you bring up the position that I think they're going to take the hardest look at, which is that nose tackle position, interior defensive line. Uh, you know, there, there's still some question marks there, not really with the amount of guys that they have there, because they still look like they're in pretty good shape combining what they brought in this year with, of course, what they brought in last year. Guys that didn't really see the field a whole lot this year, like Christian Varner, Kevin Hester, Wisdom Osaburo, but it's more of the fact that they just don't really have the experience there. And that's why I'm kind of with you. They may look to try to find a guy that is just, you know, all of a sudden kind of lighting up in the you know, on the trail late and try to bring in another true freshman, but I think if they're going to bring in somebody at that defensive tackle position, they're probably going to try to get a guy that has some experience, and I, I mean, I think they might take a risk on a guy that, you know, has been at a bigger school and, and is needing to drop down. Um, I don't know if, if they're, you know, I think it kind of depends how desperate they get, you know, it might be, you know, later after spring practice, if they go in and Jaleel Taylor uh, doesn't really seem like you know they think he's the guy there that's going to give them the, a great opportunity to win, maybe then they ramp it up and try to look for a guy that's of starter quality. But uh, I think that you know they'll be looking probably to bring in another guy there and and see if they can maybe find a way to create a little bit of competition at that position with an experienced player. Um, that's probably the only position that I would say. I did find it interesting that uh, just after the early signing class was in on Wednesday, they did offer long snapper um, Spencer Triplett, who plays at Shelby High School. Uh, here in the state of North Carolina. I found that interesting. Of course, they had a scholarship guy in the last class at Long Snapper and Drew Little. Uh, he did a pretty good job this year. Uh, still believe that Noah Taylor is returning for next year. That's the guy who handled, uh, I believe, the kicking. Yes, he, he, he handled the place kicking snapping duties while Little handled the punting snapping duties. So that could be another area potentially where the Tar Heels look to add someone. Um, I, I found it you know interesting that they offered a guy a scholarship there, and that's maybe something to follow. But I think you're right. At this point, you know, with the early signing period in place, I think this is going to become somewhat common for a lot of teams over the next couple of years, especially the teams that are recruiting at the highest level. Most of the really talented players are going to sign early. So that means that once you sign your early signing class, your focus then turns to the 21 class. And, I mean, the thing is, like we saw last year, you got guys that will want to jump in and, and, and you know, find their commitment pretty early before uh, they even head out to some of these camps. Some guys will sign during the camp season. And then, of course, once you get into the summer, that's where you're going to have a lot of guys signing right before they go into their senior year. So, Carolina's kind of got to jump on that 2021 trail and really focus on that to kind of keep up 
up with some of the teams that have already gotten really good starts on the 2021 trail, like Miami, uh, as well as Clemson. So it'll be interesting to see what Carolina does. But I, I think you're right. If they're going to go after any position, it's probably uh, that nose tackle position or uh, one, you know, one of the interior defensive end positions, maybe just to get a little bit of experience there. So uh I think that's going to wrap it up for this edition uh, of the Heel Tough Blog podcast, the signing period recap. And boy, it was a really good class for the Tar Heels. As uh, we mentioned a couple of times here on the show, Eliza Burris, uh, he is going to sign in February. There's nothing to worry about with that. He's not looking anywhere else. Uh, really just didn't have the academic credits to qualify to sign in the class early. So he ends up having to wait. Not really a big deal. Uh, He'll be able to come in and and go in the summer anyways. Uh, I don't think he was going to be an early enrollee even if he did sign uh, with the class. Uh, So... I think uh, Carolina's looking like they have put together a, a fantastic class, and I'm going to be interested to see how they build off of this going forward. So any last thoughts uh, before we wrap this up uh, with the early signing period here, Zach? Yeah, and I kind of mentioned it a little bit, but I think that even in the coming weeks, even with a recruit out there not signed, even with the potential here for, um, you know, look to see what could be available for maybe a spot or two more, in this 2020 class, watch out for 2021 recruiting to start picking up here, even now, even in the coming months. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. You're going to have guys coming into campus. You're going to have camps. You're going to have all that. And it's going to be here before you know it. So that's just the way that it is now with the early signing period. A lot of these recruit, a lot of these recruitments are being um, brought forward, are being accelerated. Guys are looking to, you know find a place they want to go early. They want to designate a spot. They want to get that out of the way before their senior season Mm -hmm. or, you know, any number of reasons that they want to accelerate this process. So don't be surprised to see, you know, to see the recruitment of the 21, 2021 class sort of, you know, be more in the forefront than the 2020 class Mm -hmm. in these early months. Um, And, you know, let's look forward to another good class this coming year. Yeah, should be another great one. Uh, as you mentioned, this state is loaded in the 2021 class, and uh, I'm excited. I am really excited that uh, next year uh, I expect to do the same thing that I've been doing this these past couple of years, going out on these scouting trips. And I'm telling you, 2021 might be uh, my favorite year going out there. Uh, you know, this past year, got to see a lot of guys that were already committed to the class. I don't know if there will be as many guys that will be committed that will go out on the road to see, but I think that the Tariels will be in the running for some really, really good guys in this class. And I am really excited to see some of these guys and give you the scouting reports on those guys. Of course, you guys can go back and check out all the 2019 guys. Those are up online right now, but 2021 uh, is going to be uh, fantastic. So, uh, hey, Zach, thanks, man. Uh, it's so glad that you were able to do this with us. And uh, it's been a, a nice uh, about week and a half here. It's been a nice uh, sprint to the finish. Uh, three great podcasts. And uh, now you get to rest a little bit and uh, enjoy your Christmas holiday. So uh, Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll talk to you sometime after uh, the new year. And uh, maybe we'll get into the 2021 class and break that down a little bit. Okay, sounds good. All right. 
So that wraps it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast. Again, make sure you guys go back, listen to all the episodes that we have. Uh, we did have some guys from the early signing class that did stop by and talk to us. Steven Gosnell, the three-star wide receiver, he gave us uh, some great moments uh, when we were on there talking to him uh, about his state championship win as well as why he decided to flip from NC State to Carolina. We also talked to 2023-star offensive tackle Kate. Baker. Uh, make sure you go back and listen to that as well. Um, so we got all that stuff for you on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. We'll have you covered, of course, coming up, uh, not only on the podcast, but on the website, HeelToughBlog.com, when it comes to the Military Bowl. Of course, that will kick off this coming Friday at 12 o'clock. Unfortunately, couldn't avoid that 12 o'clock slate all year. Had to get a 12 o'clock game in there. Luckily, this one is the bowl game. Uh, it'll kick off in Annapolis, Maryland from uh, the uh, Naval Academy uh, on the Navy base. Uh, so make sure you guys, uh, if you can get out there, go ahead. It's going to be a really great experience. But if not, make sure you check the game out on ESPN. After it's over, we'll have you covered with uh, everything that you need to know. The recap, stock report, as well as the trench report to wrap up the Tar Heels 2019 season. And then, of course, we will start focusing on the 2020 season. Um, well, of course, we'll we'll wrap the 2019 season with some grades and everything like that, and then start uh, making the push towards 2020, which will be here before you know it. Spring football not that far off with the team going to a bowl game this year as it's been in the past couple of years. So it'll be a very exciting time. Of course, you guys can check out all the basketball stuff that we've got on the website right now as well. Uh, big win over UCLA for the basketball team yesterday out in Las Vegas. Make sure you go back, check out the recap of that, as well as my analysis of the game. And then, of course, we're, we will be taking the break with the team. Uh, we'll have a couple of articles here and there during that time, but then we will be back in full force when they take on Yale on the 30th. And then, of course, after that, the calendar turns to January and the Tar Heels turn to ACC play. Uh, this is going to be a, a tense couple of uh, couple of weeks for the Tar Heels with Cole Anthony still out of the lineup, but uh, they've got some guys in place right now in Jeremiah Francis and Anthony Harris that are driving this team uh, to what could be a pretty decent record uh, when Cole Anthony comes back. So make sure that you stick with us on the Heel Tough blog website for all of your information on that. Also, check out the Roy's Boys podcast. That will be on the website as well, right next to the Heel Tough blog podcast tab up at the top of the page. That's where you can listen to both the shows. So that does it for this edition. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you give us a, uh, a a review. We'd love to hear from you guys. Make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss an episode of the podcast. So once again, thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels. Go Tar Heels.